la danza poetica. Welcome to La Danza Poetica number 51, the monthly podcast for Grievalisation and Himras Radio in Greece. Mixing up poetry and spoken word stories and poems with music and sounds. I'm DJ Lap Cat, and after a month away working on other projects, I'm back. It's March 2017. And I'd like to share with you a live mix from this summer, recorded at the Renaissance Festival in a little forest grove in the southeast of Australia on the morning of January the 2nd. This mix combines some loops from some favourite Turkish tracks, birdsong and other sounds, with a story of love, eroticism, bondage and surrender. The story is by Thomas Kiley, a poet based in northern New South Wales. Tom spent some years in Turkey studying Sufi mysticism and has this past year released a long-form spoken word piece, A Beautiful Surrender, an erotic story drawing on four Sufi teaching stories. Recorded live Featuring the oud playing of Shai Shriki, this is a lovely and meditative piece of storytelling with a powerful message. So what I'd like to do before we go into the one hour mix, because he can explain it far better than I can, is hear from Tom as he gives us the background and the emotion behind this story at his live performance. Then we will enter into an hour's trance of images and rhythms and melodies. A set recorded in January, outside under the trees with the birds, punctuated by moments of sunshine and moments of rain. So this will be an 80-minute trip on La Danza Poetica this month. I won't be interrupting more than once to speak about the music that you'll hear in the mix. I hope you can find the space to put on your headphones or turn up the speakers loud and surrender and enjoy the journey. Thank you. 
This piece is called A Beautiful Surrender. And what I'm drawing on here is four Sufi teaching stories that I uh, got out of Tales of the Dervish by Indri Shah. Um, and like a lot of mystical practices, it's, um, Sufism is a, is a kind of teacher-student relationship and it's a sort of a living dynamic. Um, and stories are used as a way of furthering that relationship. And so the story is offered, but the meaning of each story is interpreted for the student by the teacher. Um, but these stories exist kind of like a, the, in the folk tradition of Sufism. Um, and so there's four particular stories here that I'm kind of drawing on. Um, and they all, I've kind of twerked them, they all relate to a queen. And there's, this is a sort of a symbology that comes up in Sufi teaching stories a lot, is that the queen represents God. And then the way that the dervish approaches a queen, approaches this queen figure, is the way the, the dervish approaches God. Um, and in that beautiful Sufi way about really like looking for that sensual body-based connection to spirit, that we're not approaching uh, divinity from the mind, but from the body and in the body from the heart um, and approaching the, the queen that way. Um, and then there's also a game with uh, this, the descriptions of the queen because you're talking about divinity um, by definition, it is the most beautiful thing that has ever been. And so there's kind of a game to describe the beauty of the queen in a just over-the-top epic way. Um, so I kind of have a bit of a play with that idea as well. Um, the, the, theme of, the theme of this piece is around surrender. The piece is called A Beautiful Surrender. Um, and the idea that I'm kind of really interested in is that Surrender in a spiritual sense is an act of great strength. Vulnerability is a, is a posture of strength. And I think surrender is the same way. Surrender is not this like cowering, like, oh, I'll just let kind of cosmos push me around, but it is this real staking your claim and who you are and what you are in the world. Um, and then having staked that claim, accepting whatever comes. And this ability to accept whatever comes takes great strength and discipline. Um, and I feel like having my daughter Maddie has really opened me into this space. I remember one time laying out on the deck here and feeling an intense love for Maddie that I think only, yeah, he, I'm sure the parents in the room will understand, but just this intense love. And then with that, this intense vulnerability, uh, this idea of like, well, what if something happened to her? I don't, I don't know that I would be able to deal with the consequences if something should happen to her, if, if she was taken from, from the world. Um, and so I, in this space and feeling this kind of, this fear, I kind of had a little prayer to God, said, oh God, please don't, don't take Maddie. And then in my mind or something, God says, what if I want to? And I was a bit like, oh shit. Like, I've offered, I get up and talk wonderful heroic poems about how I'm committed to surrender and how I'm accepting the will of God. But then when it comes to my daughter, if, it, if the will of God was that my daughter should be hurt, then I would deny the will of God. But I'm not one to deny the will of God. 
And so I feel like, yeah, so the question is, okay, so this is a possibility. So what, do I then protect my heart? Do I shut down and close my heart and go like, well, I won't love Maddie so much just in case I lose her. But I don't want to do that either. Like I want to love Maddie to the fullness that I am capable of. And so to love Maddie to the fullness I, that I'm capable of must mean that I am fully open to the pain that may come with that love and the fear that comes with that love. And to stand in that fear and to be able to endure that fear requires all the strength that I'm capable of. And so loving, loving Maddie requires all the strength that I'm capable of. That's what this piece is about. La danza poética. to describe her slim waist and effortless curves, her eyes like the jewels encrusted on the most ancient tombs, or her dimples as rich and as nourishing as an evening of poetry and lovemaking. Or I could try to tell you how many men had lost their minds in her smile, had become ensnared by the locks of her hair, or had dashed their timbers against the wild and unforgiving coastline of her reckless body. beauty was the single foundation of her rule. There were no displays of force, no endless hypocritical politicking, no military conquests or strategic marriages, just beauty. 
the architecture of her monarchy was built entirely on a foundation of beauty. A beauty that inspired any and all who saw it to service and to the best that they were capable of. And the peace and the prosperity she forged in the fires of that beauty outlived her by seven generations. She was a beautiful woman. You're listening to La Danza Poetica with DJ Lapcat. To speak a little bit about the music featured in this set, which is looped and layered throughout. This is a collection of some favorite Turkish and Turkish-inspired tracks from the past few years, including Monkey Mark's remix of Refiro Firo's Istanbul Engluti, the wonderful Babazula's track, Temptation, remixed by Terra Nova. A constant rhythm in my DJ sets is the track Tristan by Smash. There is also a piece from Bohan Okal and Pete Namluk's epic telling of the life of Orhan, the second sultan of the Ottoman Empire. Mekendede is here from his 800 album and Tanya Evanson from last year's transcendent collection, Zenship. The 13th century Turkish poet and Sufi mystic Yunus Emre is represented also in the mix, as is a traditional Turkish song, beautifully sung by Sivina Yanatu. This is the 51st edition of La Danza Poetica on Grooveilisation and Humorous. I hope you're enjoying.
bilim kendin bilmektir. Sen kendini bilmezsen, ya nice okumaktan? Okumaktan mana ne? Kişi hakkı bilmektir. Çünkü okudun bilmezsen, ha bir kuru demek. Okudum bildim deme, çok saat okudum deme. Geri hak bilmelisen, abes yere gelmek. Dört kitabın manası, bellidir bir elifte. Sen elifi bilmezsin, bu nice okumaktır. 29 hece, okusan uçtan uca. Sen elif dersin hoca, manası ne demektir? Yunus Emre der hoca, gerekse var bin hacca. Hepsi sen iyice, bir gönüle girmektir. Şiirin sonu. drawn carriage there, gold and ornate beneath crimson banners. It is drawn on by four black and impressive horses, six guardsmen to the front and six behind, the world and the winter sky made golden in the polish of their armour. Inside the carriage rides the queen. Slowly the procession passes. on the roadside hails the queen and her procession. The queen stops and the guardsmen turn their halberds and their menacing glances on the poor dervish, dressed in woolen rags and nothing but a food bowl to his name. From his knees he calls out to the queen, Your grace, my heart has been pierced by nothing more than the rumours of your beauty and now I am lost in love. There is nothing any man can offer you, this poor and humble dervish least of all. But I have a heart made strong by devotion and practice. Take me into your company, so that my love may live its purpose, to nourish and to celebrate you, my queen. 
love I offer you is pure. He watched the cloistered carriage for a sign. Slowly the queen opened the window and let herself be seen. The dervish cried out. What they say is true, he said. You are more beautiful than scripture and the prayers of praise. You have stolen my breath and my heart. The queen looked down kindly from the carriage. Ah, oh, dervish, you're too kind, she said. But if you think I'm beautiful, you should see my sister. She's at least twice as beautiful again, they say. And she comes now, just a mile or two behind us. The dervish turned, casting hungry and hopeful eyes down the road that had just given him his queen. But there was nothing. The horizon opening onto empty sky. There was nothing. The dervish realised his sin too late. He threw himself down before the queen. A shadow and la ilaha illallah, I testify that there is only one, forgive me your grace. The queen's anger now a gathering storm. What happened to the boasts you made of love, child? The brave talk of a pure and nourishing love. I could not hold your attention for more than a second. Your practices have come to nothing. What you call love is nothing more than an addiction to beauty. Your devotion nothing but spiritual thrill-seeking. You want a thrill, dervish? Here. The queen with one hand on her hip and her shoulders cast in sharp and defiant lines starts to open up her robe. Slowly, she lets the dervish see the smooth curve of her skin, the fine hair on her belly, the arc of her breast and her nipple the colour of candied fig. The dervish's eyes burned and his pulse went mad. And when she closed the robe again, shuddering away her beautiful body, he howled and tore at his shirt. He suffered for what he could no longer see. See, she said, I am nothing but trinkets and baubles to you. You say that you want love, but beauty is the only God you bow to. And I say physical beauty dies. Remove this man's head from his body so that his foolish mind will not pollute the temple of his flesh again. The dervish was about to protest, but he felt a grace descending, and so he simply bowed his head and laid his neck bare. With a swift stroke of his blade, a guardsman severed the dervish's head from his body and it rolled and rested sorrowful beneath the horse's hooves. The dirt and the sand at the roadside were stained crimson, and the wheels of the carriage drew thick lines of blood up and out over the rims, and ground them down into the earth again, as the Queen's procession passed on. Slowly, the procession passed on, a small caravan there beneath the wheeling sun. Slowly, procession passed on.
In time, another young dervish hails the procession, again calling from his knees from the roadside. Again the queen stops and receives the dervish's call. Beautiful queen, I hold this life of mine to be cheap and worthless, but what there is I would gladly sacrifice to you. Take me into your service and let me know the joy of dissolving into your grace and will. I will serve you faithfully. The queen opened her window, but the dervish kept his eyes lowered. He took nothing, not even the sweet breath of her, but held himself in service, offering up his spirit without shame or agenda, reverently and respectfully. The queen smiled. Young dervish, I know the measure of a man when I meet him, and I definitely could make good use of your talents. But look at you, you look like the village football. People are superficial and will not respect you in those rags of yours. Here, this robe is more befitting of your station. The queen held out an ornate and rich green robe for the dervish to take. But the dervish crossed his arms humbly across his chest. Your grace, I must refuse. Humility has been the faithful horse that has brought me here, and that has this day earned me your approving smile, which I now hold more preciously than any treasure in the world. I have made a vow to turn my back on worldly trappings and possessions, and I will not break it. Please, I insist. These are the rags that I have chosen, he said. But this is the robe that I have chosen for you, she said. I hold fast to my humility, your grace. The queen's eyes sharpened, and for a moment there was nothing but a breathless heat rising off the desert floor. Then you are a fool, she said at last. You are no better than the noble man Amir. Startled confusion flared across the dervish's face, though he knew well the story of the noble man Amir. In Sufi lore, the noble man Amir had once appeared before the great Sheikh Pyramid Arifai. The noble man was widely respected, held positions of high authority, was the head of a well-regarded family. The world was his, but he hungered to conquer spiritual mountains as well. The nobleman Amir was also impatient. He had heard of students spending entire lifetimes on the path. That wouldn't do. And so he asked the peer to show him the quickest path to enlightenment. The peer said that there was a quick path available to him, but it was too difficult and he would not assign it. But the nobleman would not be satisfied. And so after much pestering, the great sage relented. Okay, he said. Go to the wood's edge and cut a small slim branch from a cypress sapling. Then go to the town square, take off all your clothes and hang a nose bag of walnuts around your neck. Announce to the gathering crowd, any boy here who whips me on the arse with this stick shall have a walnut. way. This is the way for you.
noble man struggled for words, his mouth flapping like a fish. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Go to the wood's edge. No, 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 I heard what you said. The ulcer of the noble man's anger bursting. I heard what you said. Are you out of your mind? Do you have any idea who I am? You doddering old fart, do you have any idea who I am? And with that, the proud man stormed away, turning his back on the only man who actually did have any idea. They didn't try to stop him, and they never heard from the noble man Amir again.
یا مطربان را انگبینده برای زر دستی آهنینده were steady on the dervish, the ramparts of his ego collapsing like a castle of sand, tears of shame filling his eyes. Have you made a garment out of your nothingness, dervish? Of all things, pride in your humility is such a silly sin, she said. I have offered you fields of abundance, but you cling to poverty and struggle as if I give a fuck about those things. Do not mistake the poverty that sometimes comes with humility, with humility itself with the humility I demand of all my lovers. There is nothing that can be done with you now, Dervish. So give me your head. All water returns to the source and by the source is made pure again. And so the Dervish submitted to the cleansing fire of her anger. A guardsman swiftly removed his head and it rolled and rested sorrowful beneath the horse's hooves. The dirt and the sand at the roadside were stained crimson and the wheels of the carriage drew thick lines of blood up and out over the rims and ground them down into the earth again as the Queen's procession passed on. Slowly, 
the procession passed on, a small caravan there beneath the wheeling sun. Slowly, the procession passed on. golden sections in conversation with sun. They open arms to worship shams, their old dry bones, symphonic. Pinecone prayer takes its time. If we have patience, we will persevere. Cows graze on grass sprung from sunlight. We cut this truth open with halal knives because we cannot get enough of this meat. We dress the meat to please the eye. No matter its form, the essence is the same. The light source, what we really crave. sea can be your future or your past. The boat cuts water into ripple effects. Remember, this is a window to the present. See it for what it is, without looking, without knowing. A wood white page helps me cut truth into sheets of understanding. My love is a leaf Rest inside. Speaking can be lamb's wool for the ear. Hell and heaven are not just ideas. They are real. All of these things are secrets. We say 
You are listening to La Danza Poetica with DJ Lapcat. A special mix recorded live under the treetops this summer. Featuring the story, A Beautiful Surrender by Thomas Kiley. In time, the Queen's procession comes across another dervish on his knees calling from the roadside. Ah, enough with you dervishes, she says, and she takes a bowl of apples from within her carriage and starts pelting the dervish with them one by one. The queen, as it turns out, was a good aim, and the apples slam with a thud into the dervish's breast, leaving bruises, or bounced off his head, leaving welts. Those that missed were picked up by her guardsmen, and they joined in the apple bashing. Apple after apple battered the broken dervish, but never broke the smile that was on his lips. Avala, Avala, he said, with each apple that landed on its mark. Avala, meaning thank you, or literally, this too comes from God. The queen fixes her eyes on the curious dervish. Are you thanking me? She says, I have nothing but apples for you and you give me thanks. Your grace, my love for you is complete and perfected, he says. Am I to love the artist but not the art? I love you in form and in every expression. Each apple comes from you, is driven from your hand. Am I to be an ungrateful servant when every blow reminds me of you, your grace? I am one who remembers, and this gratitude is a posture of surrender. The queen holds the dervish with her penetrating gaze. Take this man prisoner, she commands. Dervish, I will test your commitment to surrender.
The teachers say that surrender is always an act of strength. And this is what it looks like, bound and laid over the back of a horse three days' walk from the palace gates. And this is what surrender looks like, imprisoned with his doubts, lice and might bitten by day and mosquitoes through the night. And this is what surrender looks like, finally brought before his queen, washed and coarse brushed clean with fresh oils in his hair. He stood before her, surprised to find himself suddenly presented to her in her bedroom chamber. The guards left, and she rose to her feet, looking him over. She could see that fasting and practice had made his young body lithe and hardy, that there was a hint of chocolate in his skin and a tender pride in his physique. The dervish didn't know where to look, but he kept his eyes lowered, out of respect. Eventually she reached in and drew his face to hers, lifting his eyes and letting them fill with the full power of her beauty, the way, the dervish thought, one would fill a cup beneath a pummeling waterfall. Unsteady on his feet, a soft sigh slipped through the dervish's lips. Ava. the dervish's commitment to surrender, but she would test him nonetheless. So is this what surrender looks like, she said. Look at you, proud and straight. If you were made of wood, I would make a longbow of you and take you hunting. Would that I were made of wood, your grace, to be held even weapon-like in your loving hand. Dervish's answer drew a smile from the queen, but he lost sight of her as she circled behind his back. And though there was a distance between them, the dervish could feel every subtle shift in the queen's posture and position, the powerful presence of her pushing against his body like ocean water. Is this the bliss the mystics talk of? The dervish wondered. The queen circled and stood before him, leaning in close enough for the dervish to smell the rosa musk on her skin. Let me ask you then, dervish, do you really love me? Oh, I do, your grace, I do. And fear, do you fear me, dervish? Do I have reason to fear you, your grace? Almost before the words had left his mouth, the queen drew her right hand back and brought it down hard, leaving a scolding slap on the dervish's face, finger marks and blood from where her rings break the skin. You have no idea of what I'm capable of, dervish, the queen said, but you have good reason to fear me, because fear is the price of love. The dervish's cheek burned and there was confusion in his eyes. The spirit heart is a sense like any other, she said, her tender hand now comforting his cheek. The open ear hears sounds that are both delightful and discordant. The open heart feels both love and fear. 
the capacity of one defines the other, and the price of love is fear. This love, Dervish, come now into this love, she said. And slowly she removed her satin top and let it fall to the floor. Naked to the waist, she let the dervish's eyes redraw the perfect penmanship of God that had given her the definition of her shoulders, her ribs moving with breath, her downy belly and the soft, evocative precision of her breasts. This love. The dervish felt that God had never made anything so beautiful and never would again, grateful tears gathering at the doors of his eyes his love rushing to meet her invitation.
she would test his commitment to surrender one more time. And she pushed him away, locking both hands around his head, her vice-like grip, her fingertips spread and threatening to crush his skull as she held the mirror of her eyes up to his. She held the mirror of her eyes up to his. And with that reflection, she took him deeper into fear, letting him see the violence and the horror that lay in his soul, in every soul, in the great one soul of souls, Ava Caught in the nauseous truth, the realized body, the dervish wanted to escape his own flesh, a staggering shame burning for forgiveness. He tried to turn away, but the queen held him there, drawing hard on the dervish's strength and courage in his commitment to surrender, the longbow of him drawn taut and trembling. Aval. The dervish felt himself held underwater, held in the thoroughly unlovable nature of him. But he felt too the queen's call, home now into love, come now into love. And the queen released him. The string let slip through her fingers. His love was an arrow coursing through his breast, carving contours and curves into the air between his heart and hers. And from his fear she drew out the unnameable and the unlovable nature of him and called him home, her arms as wide as forgiveness. And his love was an arrow swift and true unto the waiting mark, unto her waiting arms wrapped lovingly about his head, his mouth on hers, they fell back onto the bed, and they made a beautiful love. As he wept tears of release and joy, they made a beautiful love. And in the affirmation of his strength, he was completely surrendered to the love that moved through him and found satisfaction nowhere but in her perfect body. The animal of him awakened and alive, there was now nothing holding the love of him back. And he laid his love like an offering at her feet, her sex, her neck, a thousand kisses left like prayers across her skin, each one singing of his gratitude. Courageous and surrendered, he offered up a passionate and a beautiful love. The long string of him still shimmering.
this is what surrender looks like. Fear drawn taut against strength and discipline and courage. The homecoming of every exiled thing. And this is what surrender looks like. Bedsheets tussled and creased. The full measure of a man's love given unto his queen. A long night of love making. Wild as animals. Giggling like children. And this is what surrender looks like. A burning arrow in the night. And the dervish's spirit soaring like a circling hawk. Wild and free and high above the castle. High above an imposing mountain range and a winding road. High above the wheeling sun. And higher even then than the star-lined thrones of God. for this month. Thank you so much for listening. Wherever you listen, whether you're at grievelizacion.com or himerusjr or lapcat.com or iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find me, I will, as usual, post links to where you can buy Tom's album and all of the music featured in this mix at lapkat.com. Until the next time, Peche e bene, from Lapcat.